0: Brothers and sisters, let's turn to Daniel chapter 10. Daniel chapter 10. And again, as our practice is to give honor to the word of the Lord, if you're able, uh, we'll stand as we read from Daniel chapter 10, starting at verse 10. This is God's holy and infallible word. Daniel 10, verse 10. Then behold, a hand touched me and set me trembling on my hands and knees. He said to me, O Daniel, man of high esteem, understand the words that I am about to tell you, and stand upright, for I have now been sent to you. And when he had spoken uh, this word to me, I stood up trembling. Then he said to me, Do not be afraid, Daniel." For from the first day that you set your heart on understanding this and on humbling yourself before your God, your words were heard, and I have come in response to your words. But the prince of the kingdom of Persia was withstanding me for 21 days. Then, behold, Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me for i have been left there with the king the kings of persia now i have come to give you an understanding of what will happen to your people in the latter days for the vision pertains to the days yet future when he had spoken to me according to these words i turned my face toward the ground and became speechless and behold one resembling a human being, was touching my lips. Then I opened my mouth and spoke, and said to him who was standing before me, O my Lord, as a result of the vision, anguish has come upon me, and I have retained no strength. For how can such a servant of my Lord talk with such as my Lord? As for me, there remains just now no strength in me, nor has any breath been left in me. Then this one with human appearance touched me again and strengthened me. He said, O man of high esteem, do not be afraid. Peace be with you. Take courage and be courageous. Now as soon as he spoke to me, I received strength and said, May my Lord speak, for you have strengthened me. Then he said, Do you understand why I came to you? But I shall now return to fight against the prince of Persia, so I am going forth, and behold, the prince of Greece is about to come. However, I will tell you what is inscribed in the writing of truth. Yet there is no one who stands firmly with me against these forces except Michael, your prince. Let's pray together. Our glorious Lord, help us to understand and receive and believe your holy word and help us to understand what is a difficult portion of holy scripture. Help us to attend and to believe and to gain much fruit from what we read here From your prophet Daniel. For we ask these things in the name of Jesus our Lord. Amen. Please be seated. Angels fascinate many. Um, There are people who love to do artwork. And a lot of the artwork that you see of angels looks very glorious and magnificent. Some people like to have angel figurines, statues of angels... Uh, Actually, I I found it was pretty interesting. I went to D.C., Washington, D.C. once, and um, I think it was General Meade uh, who fought in the Civil War for the North. Uh, There was a statue of General Meade, and as he's he's standing there, there are four angels. No, wait. I think it's General Meade and three angels. And two of them are holding um, by the elbow of some sort, but then one angel with this massive jawbone structure and, and strong face and shield that went from his almost his chin down to the floor with a, an amazingly beautiful sword, all in a statue, by the way, was supposed to be the guardian angel of General Meade that protected him during the battles in the Civil War. Okay, we don't know exactly uh, if that's what a guardian angel for General Meade looked like, but I I do think it was one of the most impressive works of art I've seen. But anyway, people are fascinated with angels. After all, they're glorious. They're magnificent heavenly beings. And God does say that he gives his angels charge or guardianship over us. But even in the New Testament, there was a danger concerning angels. And we're not going to turn there, but I'll just briefly mention... In Colossians chapter 2, Paul warned the church in Colossae that there were some that would come in and that they would be delighting in things like self-abasement, but also in worship of angels. So even during the time of the New Testament when Paul was guiding along churches, there were some churches where people were going around trying to persuade the Christians toward angel worship. Now, God is a jealous God, and he will not accept worship. He will not accept worship given to any other, given to angels, because God alone is to be worshipped, and uh, he alone is the one that we are to adore. Now, earlier in Daniel 10, and we're going to backtrack a little bit here, Daniel 10, verse 5 and 6, it mentions there that the prophet saw a man dressed in linen who was girded with a belt of pure gold. His face had appearance of lightning. His eyes were like flaming torches. His arms and feet like the gleam of polished bronze. And the sound of his words were like the sound of a tumult or a multitude. You could translate that. Revelation 1 talks about one like a son of man girded across his chest With a golden sash, eyes like the flame of fire, feet like burnished bronze, and his voice like the sound of many waters, or you could say a tumult or a multitude. I I firmly believe that the vision of Daniel in chapter 10 is in verses 5 and 6, he's seeing the pre incarnate Son of God. And then in Revelation, John chapter 1, he's seeing the exalted Son of God. The Son of God who had come to earth, who had suffered and died, who was resurrected and who ascended to the right hand of the Father. And in Revelation, the same one says, with his face shining like the sun in his strength, I was dead, and behold, I am alive forevermore. Right, so again, I think it's, Both men were looking at the same person, but described them slightly differently. One said his face was like lightning. The other one said his face was like the sun in its brightness. Well, both of them are kind of bright, aren't they? So I believe it's... um, And Matthew Henry also takes this interpretation that this is the pre-incarnate Son of God here mentioned in chapter 10 of Daniel. Another parallel between both men is that when they saw this vision, they fell down almost like dead. Um, it's described in different ways. But Daniel falls on his face. He has no pallor left. His color goes away. He almost like passes out, and John does the same thing. But both men, when they saw this vision, are encouraged in the same way. they told, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. Don't be terrified, because, and we'll we'll see a little bit why. But let's look again at how Daniel's fears were comforted. Look at verses uh, ten through twelve. Then behold, a hand touched me, and set me trembling on my hands and knees, and said to me, "O Daniel, man of high esteem, understand the words that I'm about to tell you, and stand upright for." I have been sent to you. And when he spoke uh, this word to me, I stood up trembling. Then he said to me, Do not be afraid, Daniel. For from the first day that you set your heart on understanding this and on humbling yourself before your God, your words were heard, and I have come in response to your words. This is an encouragement to us when we pray. That God hears our words when we humble ourselves, when we seek to understand his word, that he hears and he answers our prayers. Now, we don't know for sure whose hand is touching Daniel, giving him these words of comfort um, mentioned here, but in the text we'll find out that there are two angels present with Daniel. Daniel and we'll look a little bit at some of this um, prophecy given. The the two main points that we have in this text are the identity and the charge of angels. The identity and charge of these particular angels and then secondly the angel uh, strengthening Daniel. Let's look at this first main point, the, the identity and charge of these angels. But verse 13 the one angel says this but the prince of the kingdom of persia was withstanding me for 21 days then behold michael one of the chief princes came to help me for i had been left there with the kings of persia now i have come to give you an understanding of what will happen to your people in the latter days for the vision pertains to the days yet future. First thing to note is that an angel, uh, the word angel can also be translated as a messenger. So when we think of an angel, an angel is a messenger. Now, the scholars who look at this text in chapter 10, they say this, they say, well, this has to be Gabriel, one of the men, one of the two angels, is Gabriel because Gabriel is the one mentioned in chapter 8 verse 16 where he, he he hears a voice calling out and he says Gabriel give to this man Daniel an understanding okay so just because Gabriel was called out to give Daniel understanding they assume well here's another angel called to give Daniel understanding so it has to be the same angel well Here's the thing. The text doesn't tell us which angel this is, who this is in particular. So, I like to be careful that if the text doesn't tell us who this is and doesn't name him, I'm not going to name him either. All we know is that these are two angels who have a charge of bringing a message to Daniel. But, they also have a charge of some particular duties upon the earth notice there that they are dealing with the kings of persia now i am a firm believer that angels are involved in the affairs of men the psalms tell us that the angels are given charge or given authority or duty to, to care for us um, so here's an, an example of even a pagan king where we have angels that are doing duties in pertaining to these, these pagan kings, the kings of Persia. Now, we're not told what they're doing, but they're having an influence and perhaps they're even protecting them until it's the time for their kingdom rule to end for another kingdom to then take over. When we get to verse 15, we find out, here's where we find out there are actually two angels present. Look at verses 15 through 17. When he had spoken to me according to these words, I turned my face toward the ground and became speechless. And behold, this is a different one than he was talking to him earlier. Behold, one who resembled a human was touching my lips. Then I opened my mouth and spoke and said to him who was standing before me, O oh, my Lord, as a result of the vision, anguish has come upon me, and I have retained no strength. Now, what vision is he talking about? It could be the previous vision concerning the glorious Son of God in his glory that maybe he's uh, he's Terrified or in anguish about the glorious Son of God and Son of Man. Verse 17 goes on. Daniel says this, For how can such a servant of my Lord, he's speaking of himself, how can such a servant of my Lord talk with such as my Lord? As for me, there remains just now no strength in me, nor has any breath been left in me. Uh, Daniel here expresses being unfit to even speak to the one who touches his lips. Like he's, he, he's saying here, I'm not worthy. I'm not even worthy to talk to you. But notice here, if you have the New American Standard 1995 edition, that Lord is in lowercase. Daniel is not talking to the Lord Most High. He's talking to someone he's calling Lord, just like... When people were addressing a king or a, a nobleman, they would call him "lord, my lord." That's the same kind of thing that's going on here, and he, it's it's lowercase. And I believe that that that's a good way to translate this and to mention that it's not the Lord God, but it's Lord lowercase. Um, Daniel here, he's explaining he has no strength in him, no breath left him. Um, but then there's this mention of one angel. Mentioned as Michael. It says here about Michael who is helping in this endeavor of these angels. Um, backtrack a little bit to verse 13. Michael is called one of the chief princes. One of the chief princes. Now you've heard this mentioned before as Michael the archangel. As he's the He's the head of all the angels. Now, if you go to Revelation, and we'll look at that shortly, uh, we're going to see a little bit more about who this Michael is. The name Michael means who is like God. And some people translate it this way, who is like God? Question mark. It's not saying the angel is like God, or in, in some ways you could say he has um, some ways that are similar to God, but Uh, Some people even claim, and you may have heard this from Jehovah's Witnesses, but actually some non-Jehovah's Witnesses would actually say that Michael the Archangel is the same as the eternal Son of God. Okay, but here's the problem with that. Look at verse 13 again. Michael, one of the chief princes if this was jesus as the archangel the supreme head over all the angels he wouldn't be one of numerous chief princes he would be the chief prince uh, so that's where i have a problem with saying that you know michael and michael is the same as the son of god so let's turn to revelation 12 and this will show us a little bit more about who this michael is Revelation twelve. Starting verse seven. This is a a retelling of a history of the beginning of time, even before, I believe, um, before man was created. Because when man comes on the scene, the devil is already on the earth. Verse 7 uh, of Revelation twelve. And there was war in heaven. Michael and his angels waging war with the dragon. The dragon and his angels waged war, and there was not uh, and they were not strong enough, and there was no longer a place found for them in heaven. And the great dragon was thrown down, the serpent of old, who is called the devil and Satan, who deceives the whole world. He was thrown down to the earth. And his angels were thrown down with him. Okay, so this, this dragon who's cast down to the earth is no one other than Satan. His angels who were cast down with him became, became what we know of uh, in the New Testament as the demons. Uh, the demons who at times had possessed uh, people and who warred against Christ during his time here on earth. Now, let's get, get back to this issue of angels being compared with God. Okay. If you say, anywhere in the Bible that makes a mention of an angel being God and a God being an angel, there is one place that we do need to turn to. Whenever we read this name, the angel of the Lord, I'm not... a a hundred percent certain of every circumstance, but there is a particular place where we have a speaking of the angel of the Lord, who then calls himself himself God. Look at Genesis 31, Genesis 31. We're not going to be flipping around the whole Bible too much except for this last time here. But Genesis 31, verse 11. This is uh, when Jacob is having his, his flock. Um, you could say he's gaining flock because of God's intervention in, in giving him goats that are having special characteristics that uh, allow him to increase his flock over Laban's flock. But uh, this is Genesis 31, 11. Then the angel of God, or you could say the angel of the Lord, the angel of God or messenger of God, said to me in the dream, Jacob, and I said, Here I am. He said, Lift up now your eyes and see that all the male goats which are mating are striped, speckled, and mottled. For I have seen all that Laban has been doing to you. I am the God of Bethel, where you anointed a pillar. Okay? It goes on and says, um, where you made a vow to me, to God, now arise, leave this land, and return to the land of your birth. Okay? This is a case where it's an angel of God who then calls himself God. So, when we have places in the Bible that are called uh, the angel of God or angel of the Lord, they can often be, uh, oftentimes, what I would call even a Christophany. Um, it's my opinion that when, when Jacob wrestles with God, he's actually wrestling with the pre-incarnate Son of God. Now, I believe that would be a, an example of a Christophany there. So the angel of God, the supreme messenger of God, really, you could say, has to be Jesus Christ. In Hebrews 1, God spoke in former times to the fathers long ago, um, to the prophets in, in many portions and ways, types and shadows, but in the last days, remember the text in Daniel's talks about the last days, but when the Christ comes, we find out in the, the writer of Hebrews says, in the last days when Jesus is on the earth, God has spoken to us most authoritatively through his Son, the Supreme Messenger sent by the Father. I am sorry, I, I wish I can give you all the answers. And I know this is, is can be somewhat confusing, but this text in Daniel ten does tell us some wonderful things, but we do need to remember that um, it, you know some of the interpretation here is difficult, and you can't. Uh, it, some of it, even a lot of good theologians have differences on. But let's look a little bit more at this work of the angels. Okay, their duties and charges given to them. They are to fight and work in the affairs of men according to God's history. Uh, look at the, toward the end, verse 20. One of the angels says, But I shall now return to fight against the prince of Persia. So I am going forth, and behold, the prince of Greece is about to come. However, I will tell you what is inscribed in the writing of truth. Yet there is no one who stands firmly with me against these forces except Michael, your prince. These angels are following God's direction and directing um, matters in the affairs of certain rulers, both of Persia and they are making special attention to the coming ruler of Greece, namely... Alexander the Great, Um, there was, you could say, angelic influence that maybe caused and directed the rise of Alexander the Great, according to even this text. So Daniel is without breath, he's without strength, he's weary, and he asks God for strength. He asks God for help, and God helps him. Look at how the angel strengthens Daniel. Verse 18... Then this one, this angel, you could say, with human appearance, touched me again and strengthened me. So the angel touches him and gives him strength in a supernatural fashion, you could say. But not only that, he encourages Daniel to strengthen him. Look at how he encourages him. Verse 19. He said to Daniel, O man of high esteem, Do not be afraid. Peace be with you. Take courage and be courageous. Joshua, when he was going into the Promised Land, was encouraged and and told to be courageous and to know that God was with him. Daniel is being told to be courageous. When you're discouraged, and I know sometimes... Even I get discouraged. We all get discouraged, don't we? We might have a health trouble. We might have a financial trouble. We might have a family problem. We might have a, um, a friend that turns away from you. Who names? You could name all kind of problems. But when you need courage, it's very likely you're not going to have an angel come from heaven to touch you and to give you encouragement in this particular fashion. But what does God do to encourage us here and now? He gives you His Word, He gives you His Holy Spirit, and most importantly, He gives you each other. God uses each and every one of you to encourage each other. Hebrews 3.13 and following says, we are to encourage one another daily while it's still yet called today. When you're down and you, you're maybe even in despair, call someone in the church, tell someone in the church, and I'm telling you, you will be encouraged. Have a brother or sister come and visit with you. God has called us to encourage One another. And how do we encourage one another? Look at this passage I read here in Scripture. Look at what God says here in the Psalms. Look at what God says here in the Gospel of Mark. You tell each other and you speak the word to each other. You tell people of the promises of God and encourage one another with the most wonderful words of encouragement, that of Holy Scripture. I believe we need to pray that each and every one of us have a ministry of encouragement and encouraging one another. Now, the angel in the beginning of this passage that we read today says he's going to give a message to Daniel. Once Daniel is given his strength, he then asks the angel for help and asks him to give... Uh, this message. Look at the middle of verse 19. Now as soon as he spoke to me, I received strength. And then this is what Daniel says to the angel. May my Lord speak, for you have strengthened me. Again, we don't know exactly what identity of this particular angel is, but just to give you a little preview of what's to come, the very beginning of of chapter 11 verse 1 throughout the entirety of the very long chapter 11 even to the beginning of chapter 12 is all one revelation spoken by an angel to Daniel speaking to him of things yet to come to pass things yet future that God wants Daniel to, to understand. And as we look at chapter 11 and the beginning of chapter 12, we're going to see that God here knows the history of the world even before it happens because God is giving us this message sent by one of his messengers, one of his angels. Verse 21 goes on to say, the angel says this, I will tell you what is inscribed in the writing of truth. He's going to tell Daniel what is inscribed in the writing of truth. And that's what we're going to look at next time as we study um, this text more. Brothers and sisters, what are we to get from this text? Well, God sends his angels. His angels have dealings among mankind. His angels have dealing even with some such as us, he promises that he will give his angels charge of you. Now, if you haven't uh, read um, the Screw Tape letters, I, I hope you, I hope you find that the most encouraging, uplifting part of the Screw Tape letters is the very end, the climax and the beauty of the book. Of the Screw Tape letters is after the man of interest who's being persecuted by demons, and where Screw Tape is wanting him. Um, and well, I can't remember which one's which, but you have Wormwood and Screw Tape. But they're both pursuing after getting him, turning him away from Jesus. But the good news of that particular book is that he dies believing. He dies believing, and then. Toward the end of that book, he says, after he goes into glory and he sees the wonderful things that happened, that's the highlight of the book, is that he dies, he gets bombed, but then he goes to glory, in the presence of God, in the presence of the angels, and he mentions how he always knew that they were there, but he didn't really understand, but he sees clearly now. Now I know that's a work of fiction. But I believe it's based on Holy Scripture. There are going to be times where when we go to glory, we understand the reason that we were spared from some particular accident. Maybe when we are started to fall asleep at the wheel and we get ready to go off a road at 65 miles per hour uh, where there's no, um, and there's no shoulder or, and there's no, uh, there's no guardrail either. That happened to me once. Why did you get startled right before you went off the curve and went off the road and perished? Well, God has his angels charge over us. And one day we'll, 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 all of this will be revealed to us that his intervention, just like he intervenes in the lives of these Persian kings and even in the, the, the coming of Alexander the Great, he also has deep involvement in us in guiding and protecting us because he cares for us. But the evidence of his greatest care is that he sent his only begotten son, the chief messenger of God, to die and for us. That believing in him, we know that we have eternal life because of what Jesus has done for us on the cross. Glory be to God. Let's pray together. We thank you, our glorious Lord, Help us to understand that you are the one who loves and cares for us, that your care is demonstrated and that you give angels charge and guardianship over us. But your ultimate example of love is that you've given your Son for us, even Jesus Christ our Lord. We thank you that you did not leave us to perish in our sin, but that you gave your only begotten Son to suffer and die for sinners such as us. Help us to have faith, to trust in him, to believe in him, to worship you, O God, forever and ever, and that we would always cling to your holy gospel. For we ask these things in the name of Jesus, our Lord. Amen. For our closing hymn, let's turn to... 458 O fountain of unceasing grace 458